Tracing. Tracing is a legal process, not a remedy, by which a claimant demonstrates what has happened to his or her property, identifies its proceeds and those persons who have handled or received them, and asks the court to award a proprietary remedy in respect of the property, or an asset substituted for the original property or its proceeds. Tracing allows transmission of legal claims from the original assets to either the proceeds of sale of the assets or new substituted assets. Tracing ordinarily facilitates an equitable remedy, and is subject to the usual limitations and bars on equitable remedies in common law countries. In many common law countries, there are two concurrent processes, tracing at common law and tracing in equity. However, because the right to trace at common law is so circumscribed, the equitable process is almost universally relied upon as equitable tracing can be performed into a mixed fund. Illustrations Tracing is thus neither a claim nor a remedy. It is merely a process by which a claimant demonstrates what has happened to his property, identifies its proceeds and the persons who have handled or received them, and justifies his claim that the proceeds can properly be regarded as representing his property. Foskett v. McEwen For example, if A has money in a solicitor's account and the solicitor takes that money to buy a painting, then A may be able to make a claim against the painting. This claim will take priority even if the solicitor is bankrupt and has other unsecured claims against him. Judicially, probably the most famous example of a tracing claim is Attorney General for Hong Kong v. Reed, where Mr. Reed, then a Crown Prosecutor for Hong Kong, received bribes for passing information to organize crime in Hong Kong. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Under Hong Kong law, the proceeds of those bribes were held on constructive trusts for the government of Hong Kong. Mr. Reed then invested the proceeds of the bribes in land in New Zealand, and the land increased substantially in value. When he was caught, Mr. Reed admitted that the money was subject to a constructive trust, but argued that he should only be liable to repay the amount of the bribes, and then any profit attributable to the increase in value of the land in New Zealand was not connected with his wrongdoing. However, the Judicial Committee of the Privy Council held that the government of Hong Kong's claim to the money could be traced into the land, and thus the claimant was entitled to the full value of the land, as without his wrong, Mr. Reed would never have made those profits, and it would be grossly inequitable for him to keep them. Advantages Tracing claims have two key advantages to claimants. Firstly, they are a proprietary remedy, as opposed to a simple personal claim, which means that, if the defendant is insolvent, then the claimant can take title to the goods, rather than just receiving an award of damages which may be of little value against a defendant in bankruptcy. However, in some countries tracing may also lead to the award of a personal remedy where for some reason a proprietary remedy is not appropriate, for example it would upset peri passu distribution upon insolvency, where it would not be appropriate to do so. Secondly, as demonstrated in AG for Hong Kong v. Reed, where the wrongdoer has made a profit, it allows the claimant to recover a greater amount than their original loss. The House of Lords applied the same reasoning in Foskett v. McEwen AC 102 where the claimant sought to enforce their rights against a third party. Technical Aspects The law of tracing is enormously complex, even to practitioners. 
Characteristically, tracing claims tend to involve fraud, and as a result most claims and case law are against the background of a complex factual matrix. However, the law itself is also complex, and a number of key aspects of the law remain ambiguous in many countries. Equitable tracing requires a fiduciary relationship, while common law tracing does not. However, this relationship does not need to have existed before the misappropriation took place. However, this difference between common law and equity has been criticized by Lord Millet and Lord Stein and Foskett B. McEwen, though they stopped short of deciding that the traditional precondition to equitable tracing should be overruled. The wrongdoer may mix the misappropriated funds with his own money, and then purchase an asset with a mixed fund. Where there are multiple innocent claimants, where there is mixing of the funds by an innocent volunteer. As a remedy for unjust enrichment. Defenses. In most jurisdictions, there are several reasonably well-establishing defenses to tracing claims, although the case law is not entirely consistent. The common defenses to an equitable tracing claim are Good faith purchaser for value and without notice. Dissipation. Discharge of a debt such that the proceeds are no longer traceable and there is no substitute asset innocent change of position, usually, but not always, by an innocent third party importantly, in each case it is only the remedy of tracing that is lost. The claimant may well still enjoy a personal claim against the wrongdoer, even though they may have lost their proprietary right to trace into substituted assets. Remedies in common law countries there are a variety of remedies that can be imposed when the court is satisfied that an equitable tracing claim has been made. The principal remedies are 1. An election to take the property, or a resulting trust. 2. An equitable charge over the property. 3. An account of profits, secured by an equitable lien. And 4. A constructive trust. If an asset appreciates in value, the claimant may be well advised to claim proprietary right in the asset, Numbers 1 and 4. If an asset depreciates in value, the claimant would be better off if he acquires a charge or lien over the asset, number 2 and 3, as he can still enforce the whole amount of the charge against the asset and recover the balance via personal action. Detenue. In tort law, detenue is an action to recover for the wrongful taking of personal property. It is initiated by an individual who claims to have a greater right to their immediate possession than the current possessor. For an action in detenue to succeed, a claimant must first prove that he had better right to possession of the chattel than the defendant, and second, that the defendant refused to return the chattel once demanded by the claimant. Detenue allows for a remedy of damages for the value of the chattel, but unlike most other interference torts, detenue also allows for the recovery of the specific chattel being withheld. History Historically, detenue came in two forms, detenue sur bailment and detenue sur trover. In detenue sur bailment, the defendant is in a bailment relationship with the claimant and either refuses to return the chattel or else has negligently or intentionally lost or destroyed it. The onus is on the bailey to prove that the loss of the chattel was not his or her fault. In detenue sur trover, the defendant can be any individual in possession of the chattel who refuses to return it to the claimant. A defendant could be a finder or a thief or any innocent third party, and the claimant need only have a better right to possession. Early writs and forms of action were exceptionally narrow in scope. This is reflective of the basic conservatism of the common law courts in the middle and late medieval period. This was in contrast with the courts of equity which were creative in producing novel writs for many new fact situations. Compensation in those days was usually not in money, which was rare, but in land, 
livestock, or furnishings, as these were the typical measures of wealth. What the plaintiff wanted back was the land, cattle or even coins lent. Maitland suggests that in the earliest time the writ of debt seems almost to have been designed to recover identical coins. The early writ of debt new was specifically designed for recovery of a chattel wrongfully detained, but not an action to recover loss due to a chattel being harmed while the defendant had it. Two facts mark the early common law actions. They were defective because of the wide field which was excluded. They were also defective because the plaintiff might well think himself entitled to a remedy, but by reason of the procedure found that he went away empty. The defendant to a writ of debt or detinue might bring others with him who would swear that his denial of the claim was true. This was technically called his wage of law or wager of law. It was enough to dispose of the plaintiff's claim. A common way to escape all writs, even the writ of right, as well as debt and detinue was to claim sickness. If the jury found him in bed with his boots off, the custom was to delay the writ for a year and a day. Relation to Replevin One of the oldest actions in the royal courts was Replevin which had its roots in the law of customary courts. Strictly speaking, Replevin in its original form was a provisional remedy. Its provision was to procure for the plaintiff the return of chattels taken out of his possession until the right to their possession could be decided by a court of law. No doubt, it was designed to avoid quarrels likely to cause a breach of the peace pending a settlement of the dispute about the right to possession. In other words, the rule of law was beginning to replace that of local force of arms and personal conflict as the resolution of disputes over chattels. The action was in direct succession to the efforts made to regulate self-help, which were the origin of the law of tort. The form of legal recourse was in connection of distress, distractio. This was the practice of taking some chattel from the peasant or underling until some action was performed. In the medieval era the services for which distress could be levied were numerous, since the incidents of tenure were then very numerous. Distress was also liable as damage feasant. When animals strayed and did damage to a neighbor, they could be retained until the damage was made good. Whether or not the distress was levied for rent or for livestock damage feasant, the owner of the animals could obtain their release by giving gauge and pledge, a form of security that the damage would be made good. One peculiarity of distraint lay in the fact that the distrainer did not get any form of legal possession. The goods and chattels were considered to be in the custody of the law. As a result, there was no taking of possession by the distrainer that was unlawful, since no possession was technically inferred. The action in Replevin began to appear in the 13th century. It seems clear that originally the action of Replevin lay simply where the question to be determined was that of wrongful distress. Excess and abuse of distress was punished. The mere claim by the distrainer that he had a right to the chattels distrained was a technicality that ended the action in Replevin. It was then necessary to refile using a new writ invented in the early 14th century, called the writ de propriétate probanda, a writ concerning the proof of ownership. Detinue in United States Law In the United States, detinue is a possessory action having for its object the recovery of specific personal property and damages for its detention. At common law an action of detinue would lie for the recovery of specific personal property unlawfully detained, or its value, and for damages for its detention. Detinue differs from replevin in that possession of the chattel in controversy is not changed until after the judgment in detinue, whereas in replevin possession is changed at the beginning of the proceeding. The gist of an action in detinue is that the defendant is wrongfully in possession of personal property which belongs to the plaintiff, whereas replevin lies only where there has been a wrongful taking or seizure of the property. Detinue is distinguished from common law trover which is for the recovery of damages for the wrongful conversion of personal property. 
In modern practice, detinue has been superseded almost entirely by statutory actions for the recovery of personal property. England and Wales In England and Wales, detinue was abolished on January 1, 1978 by the Torts, Interference with Goods, Act 1977. However, the tort of conversion was extended at the same time to cover circumstances that had previously been covered only by detinue.